Father, we just ask that you stir our hearts today with the power of your word. Father, that we have sensed your presence. Oh, give us a vision, Father God, of who you are and the power of your presence and how much we need you today. We just give you thanks for the power of your word, oh God. In Jesus' name we ask. Turn with me, if you would. There's Bibles in the pew, and I would like for you to turn to Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter 1. We're talking about the churches. I believe that this is a time that we need to see what it is that God wants to say to us and to the churches. And uh, so I would like for you to just kind of have have that book open there so that... When we refer, refer to a verse, you can read it because the Bible says that if you hear it, if you see it, if you read it, you'll be blessed. And I want everyone to go out of the house today blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the message began last week and it was entitled, The Time is at Hand. Spirit of God came upon John when he was in the Spirit. On the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day is important to, to, to God. And he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And God began to speak to him and to give him a revelation. And so as we look at this, the Bible says in this passage of Scripture, the time is at hand. And I don't know how you feel about the day in which we live or all that's going on in this day but truly, this is uh, the time is at hand. The time is at hand for people to grow in Christ and to realize that Jesus, you know, they've been saying it for all my 80 years that he's coming soon. But he is coming, church, and it can be in our lifetime. So he's going to require us one way or the other through the valley of the shadow of death or through rapture. He's coming for us. Amen. So the time is at hand that we must uh, look at what Christ thinks about the church and what God thinks about the church. And so it's time to evaluate our Christian experience. It's time to evaluate our Christian life and how we live our life and, and how we bless God and glorify God as we live our life that he has given to us. So in each church, as we go through these churches in these few weeks, we will see that the time is at hand, that that God is speaking through Christ. He's causing the angel of the church, but it's truly Christ because it's a testimony of Christ, the revelation of Christ. And so as he walks through each church, God is showing the church what's wrong with it and what they need to do to change to be a church that God requires them to be. So John is on the spirit. We kind of talked about this last week. And he turns to see a voice starts speaking to him like a big trumpet. And he turns to see what it is that, that's speaking behind him. And, and he sees the Lord. What a glorious vision. I would love to see the Lord like that. And he envisioned the Lord. And God began to speak to him. In Revelation chapter 1 and 11, he begins to speak. And he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's how we know it's Jesus. How many know he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? And so he says, that's who I am. I'm the first and I'm the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches. These are the seven churches of Asia. And those are the churches of Turkey today. Uh, this is the, the where, where the modern day is. 
And so as we look at this, we see that the very beginning of the churches is the book of Ephesus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so John writes and he says, as he turned to see, he saw him standing in the midst of candlesticks. And he saw him with stars in his hand. Now, unless you know Jesus, you can't comprehend what this is all about. But when you know Jesus, he gives you a revelation and he even imparts it to you in Scripture. And he says that that the candlesticks, you know, are the churches and in the hands of Jesus is the, is the ministers, the messengers, the leaders. And so I, I think that every pastor needs to come uh, sit down for a moment and think about that because you are in God's hand. And what are you doing with God's hand? How are you lifting up God? How are you lifting up Christ? And how are you teaching the people that they are in God's hands? And so he sees this and and the word of God is still going forth today. Who will have an ear to hear what the Spirit is going to say? Seven times in the Revelation, Jesus asked them to please have a hear. And if you notice when we read the scriptures, he hears us. The Bible says, you know, the scriptures that we just read in our, in our bulletin talks about he hears us. He hears the earth the same as he hears the heavens. So it's important to know that God's ear is always open. I think sometimes we think we can get away with things that maybe he's maybe he's sleeping, maybe he's not paying attention, or maybe it's in the darkest of night, but you can never get away with anything because he is an all-seeing, all-powerful, all-knowledge God. And he sees us and he knows us and he cares about us. And in seeing everything about us, he mercies us and gives us grace and love. So the word of God is still going forth today. And the word is that write these things, he says to John, write the things that thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. What a great job he gives to John. It is an awesome scene as John begins to hear what is being said. As he hears it, the Spirit of the Lord is saying hear and the Spirit of the Lord is saying write. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying it's for the church and it's for the ministers and it's for the leaders of the day. John has seen many miracles of the Savior. Remember, John is the one that walked all the way to Calvary with the Lord Jesus. So John has seen so much. He saw the suffering Christ up close on the cross. He saw the death. He saw him after resurrection when he stood and he came through the wall and he said, Peace be unto you. So John has seen so much. You know, when they take a, 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 a thing to court, they go back into the annals of time and into the lawyer books and they check out everything and they, then they use that against their court thing. But, you know, the Word of God is the same way. It's the law of God. And when you need to understand things, you go to the Word of God and God will reveal those things to you. This is the day that God wants to give a revelation to the heart of every born-again believer. This is a day that he wants the church to be holy, set apart, and glory unto his name. Not just programs, not just facilities, not just those things. But he wants his church to show forth the power and the grace and the faith and the trust that we have in God in this moment of crisis. And this is our most powerful moment to show who we are in Christ and what we believe and how we can trust him in the midst of our day. So the word of the Lord comes to John and he says, write what you've seen, write what was yesterday, write today, and write what I'm going to show you that's coming. 
You know, all of the disciples at this time in history are being martyred. They are being, their lives are being taken for the cause of Christ. But somehow uh, God sends John to this criminal island. Today, I guess it's a place of beauty. But at that day, it was a Roman place for the lowest of criminals. And they sent John there. And what I want you to see what the Word of God says, why they sent him there. They sent him there for the Word of God and for the testimony of his life. Now, church, if the world is looking on our testimony, what will they see? Will they see the power of his presence in us? Will they see us strong? Will they see us with, with a conscience of trust and grace in God? It's important because of John's visual testimony. And because he spoke the power of the word of God, they didn't like it. So he was banished to the Isle of Patmos. God preserved his life so that he could write this book to the churches, that the churches could see where they need to bone up on their spiritual experience. So as we look at this, it says he was banished there for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is sobering, church. Do we have a testimony of Christ in our life that would cause us to be banished to an island? God is looking for a testimony of himself in the earth today. It's sobering to me. And I, I hear the word of God from, from Hebrews 12, which says, Thou hast not yet resisted unto blood. You know, we have, we have it easy. We have a God that loves us. We have mercy. We have grace. We have great houses of worship. We have everything that we have need of. Even in the crisis of our country, we are still a good people. We are still a people that has the grace and the mercy of God. And so it's sobering when, when we see that what happened to him because of his testimony. How many times have we been a little shy with our testimony because we don't want it to cause any problems? We don't want it to erupt any trouble. But you know, the day is at hand when we need to speak it bold to our families. We get family gatherings. We need to have prayer. You know, I tell you this all the time, but my mama always prayed a prayer of salvation at the dinner table. You know, and I try to do that, too. But, you know, every time we come to our family reunion, something comes on me like, okay, now I might offend some of my family, some of my distant family. I might offend them, you know, because that's what the flesh does. The flesh talks to you in a negative way. And so I think about that. And then for two or three days, I start trying to figure out what, is, what am I going to pray? How am I going to pray it? And I turn out the same time and pray the same thing my mom said. I just pray salvation on them, and then, then I, when I get done, I smile at them really big and hope that they still love me. But we need to have a testimony of Christ in our life. You know, we don't need to say, well, I, I am a Christian, and I work down here on the assembly line, but I don't say nothing because I don't want to cause any rift. You know, it's time that we did cause trouble, Christian trouble, spiritual trouble, that we have a testimony because John was punished for his testimony and for the word of God that he spoke. So the Lord always sees good in us first. I'm so thankful for that. He always sees good before he starts to get on our case. And this is what happened in, a in verse 1. The angel of the Lord, of the, uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 1, 
the scripture begins like this, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, these things which saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the candlestick. The Lord always sees good, so he begins to say what's good about them. And this is really powerful because he has a lot good to say. He says, verse 2, I know your works, I know your labor, and this is a biggie, I know your patience. I mean, I, 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 I would just get on my knees if he said that to me. You know, we need patience. And he says, I know your patience, and I know how you hate evil, you know, and I know how you've tried the leaders and you found them that were liars. This is the scripture. And you know what that means? That means that this church had the ability to discern. How could they hate sin or how could they hate the lies? How could they hate those things? But they had a spirit to discern. We're talking about what we would say today is a good church. And then it's in the verse 3 goes, and you have patience. He's telling me have patience twice. I would love to just hear it once. (laughs) He's telling him to have patience a second time. And he says, you've done all this for my name's sake. And then he says, you've labored again. And then he says, and you have not fainted. In other words, he's saying you have endured. That's the good part. Then he says, but I have somewhat against you because you've left your first love. And is that not true of the church of Jesus Christ at large today? Not every church, perhaps, but the church at large has left its first love. The church has become all sorts of things, but just an altar and the lifting up of Jesus Christ. So God is speaking to them. And he's talking to the saints that are Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. He's not talking to to the sinners. He's talking to the church. And, And so... He's, you know, I highly recommend you to read the book of Ephesians because uh, he's, Paul taught these same things to the church. If you just go over to Ephesians 1 and start to read that, you'll see that Paul is saying the same thing. And now here's John writing about it. And it's what's so blessed about God is he doesn't just give up on us because we mess up. He just keeps telling us. He keeps admonishing us. He keeps exhorting us. And to this church, and I believe it can be to this church today, to uh, the church in, uh, in, in, in our land, that they've left their first love. Many things the church does today that is a love, but is it for Christ? That's the thing that we have to look at today. So I highly recommend that in your devotions this week that you read the book of Ephesians because that you will see what God is trying to do to this church. So they've been taught unity. Paul taught them unity. They've been taught about the gifts of the Spirit. They, they have been taught about all the gifts that are available to them. But the church has not pushed into the gifts that God has for them. You can go to churches all across this land and they're called Pentecostal churches, but there's not really a Pentecostal move of God in them. We want that. We desire that. But somehow when we get into his presence, we just get kind of dormant. 
And God wants the gifts of his spirit to begin to operate in a holy way. Now, notice how we read in the bulletin, oh, earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. This is what the heart of God is calling for today, is that we will hear the word of the Lord. To hear it, we have to read it. To hear it, we have to study. To hear it, we have to, we have to meditate in the word of the Lord. So uh, you will note that the church had, is being taught depth, a depth of God, a depth of Christ in Ephesians. And so now God, Paul exhorts them to be renewed in their mind. That's kind of what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Now, we know that the revelation is to the churches of Asia Minor. But I believe that it's for the churches of today. Because God, everything God does has a great purpose. And while we're not in Asia Minor or we're not in those places, we're still in the church. And that is God's place of worship and instruction. God wants us to stand against the enemy. Church, he wants us to stand against the works of darkness that's going on in our earth today. And he wants us to be encouraged that that our resources prayer and praying in the spirit and and the church hardly prays in the spirit anymore. You know, we need to you know, I remember, I'm sorry, I have to go there. When I was a child, we'd go to prayer meeting, and when they, when they started to pray, it was tongues. I thought, the first time I ever heard that, I said, I don't know when I was, about six, and I said to my mom, what language is that, Mama? I don't understand that. And she said, oh, honey, you will someday, you know. And the whole church, I mean, they just started to pray, and they were just praying in the Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit because the enemy does not know our prayer. And we can overcome by the word of our testimony, by our life, by the Spirit of God, by the anointing of God that's in the realm of the Spirit. And I know that this church is filled with the Spirit. I know that they're filled with the Spirit. And I know that when we pray, we need to be uh, uh, practicing that. Not necessarily practicing, but yes, because I think we haven't used it for so long. We need to practice, you know. But this word of God and the power of God and Paul exhorts them to dress for battle. To dress for battle. Do you understand that we are warriors? This is a battle and we are in front line duty. And it's not, it's not fun in front line. You know, if you can stay back in the station or if you can stay back where there's no fire, you'll be, you, you think you can make it. But we're on the firing line, like she's saying today, and we have got to be able to have the word of God to fire against the works of darkness that is in our earth. You know what happened to Job, don't you? He took everything away from him. And finally, what did he do? He messed with his health. So there is a purpose that's going on here, and we have to stand strong. And the church, of, of Paul was preaching to the church the same as John. Verse 4 in Revelation 2, it says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. This is a church that has lost its passion. And it has works, it has labor, it has patience, it can't stand sin or evil. You know, and it has the ability to discern right from wrong. It has patience twice. It has labored twice. It has, you know, it sounds really great if we just stop there. But then we hear the word of the Lord that says, I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. You know, if we would look at the church at large and try to say what is wrong with it, we probably never would think. 
they've left their first love. The first love is devotion. You know, it is an eye on Christ and an eye on the things of heaven and an eye on the Word of God. The Word of God tells us how to live, but somehow we think we can live our own way and still call ourselves a part of Him. This happens with the cares of life. The cares of life is what rob us of, the, of our patience and what rob us, uh, you know, of our ability to discern. And, it, and it's what robs us of the power and the anointing of God, the cares of life. Bible says that. It warns us in Luke and, and in um, a couple of places, Luke and maybe Matthew, and it says that we are choked out by the cares of life. We are choked out by riches. That's a truth, isn't it? And we are choked out by pleasures. You know, they have all the ball games on Sunday. Sunday is the Lord's Day. If you read the Old Testament, they were their life was taken if they didn't honor the Sabbath. We have no, that's the first place where you can talk about our first love being gone. I remember that those days when it was like that but today you know our our pleasures take the take precedence over the house of god and the bible says that when we lose those things because of those things of the flesh then we don't bring the fruit of christ to perfection in our life that's what he's saying about the fact that we left our first love we have all this fruit growing but it's not coming to perfection because there is a lack of love in it. And how many know what love is? It's the first commandment, isn't it? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength. Him only shalt thou serve. So Ephesus is the church that now hears the reprimand. And the Lord says repentance is at hand. The time of repentance is at hand. Christ talks about falling. And repenting. And I do believe the church of Jesus Christ at large has fallen into numbers, facilities, programs, busyness. Perhaps the depth of love is missing in those things. You know, I find that in myself. I, I, I would like to see the church full. You know, but what I should see is what God desires in this house today. This is his purpose. And and, and I need to see that because what does my flesh want? My flesh wants every pew full. You know, but God has a purpose for what he does. He has a purpose that you're here and he has a purpose for this word to go forth. And he wants to stir our hearts because, we, you know, one can change a difference because Jesus was one and he changed the whole world. But there is suffering involved. The we lovingly hear the Lord say in verse 5, he says, Remember, therefore, whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. And I think probably maybe what the Lord is saying to the church today is that maybe we go days without repenting. You know, maybe we just, we're busy people. Everything is busy. Everything is quick. And maybe a whole week is gone. And maybe we've had a devotion. Maybe we've read our devotion every day. But, you know, have we considered that God needs repentance because 
our flesh needs to repent. It's our flesh that dishonors God on, on occasions, you know, just thoughts, just actions, those kinds of things. And he says, you know, remember and do the first works over. Well, I don't know if you've experienced the first works because some people get saved and it's just a glorious, you know, uh, uh, barn burner kind of thing. And some people just get saved when they're a child. Their parents lead them into salvation. They just get saved and they serve God all of their life. You know, so I don't know where we are to know the first works because I don't know how you experienced your salvation. But the first works is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, thy strength. That's the first works. And him only shalt thou serve. And the second thing, if there is a second thing, is to love the person sitting next to you. Is to love the the people that are in the streets in strife. Is to love the people that disagree with you. Is to love the people that hurt you. Is to love the people that sin against you. That's the second thing. So that's that's the first works. That's what God is calling the church to today is to return to the first love and love Him with all of our heart. Verse six, He says, "And this I know that Thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans." which I also hate. Simple, simple, simple group of people. He doesn't hate the people. He hates the sin and the degradation of his word. Paul addresses this in his epistle to the Ephesians. And in other words, God desires us to hate sin, not to just turn our head and not look at it, or not to say, well, I know the Lord understands my situation and he'll He'll forgive me. No. It's to turn away. In all of this goodness of this church, they have fallen from his love. And that's, that's, that's probably one of the most difficult things for Christians to face today, that we don't love him enough. We must, we must return to that moment when we came to him and he forgave us of our sins and we recognize that it, we only have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Verse 7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, to the churches, to all churches. You know, and he says, To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I love this. In heaven we get to eat. <laughs> That's part of the blessing. That's part of the overcoming. That's part of making it. See what it says. It says, you know, it's it's part of it. He says, you get to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You know, we don't envision those things like we should. Because if we could envision that tree, if we could envision that holy place, if we could envision those things, it would make a difference in our in our commitment to the Lord Jesus. Revelation nineteen nine it says, He saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. So it's a little bit more than the leaves of the tree. We're going to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 7, it says, we eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God. Hear the wisdom literature. 
Now I'm going to go to Proverbs. You can just write down the reference if you want. But, you know, if you eat of the tree of life in the paradise of God, you get knowledge. And Proverbs 3.18 says, Wisdom is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon it, and happy is everyone that retaineth wisdom. Proverbs 11.30, it says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope and desire is fulfilled in the tree of life. We have lots of desires. We have lots of hopes. It's all fulfilled in the tree of life. And Proverbs 15.4, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness therein is a breach in the spirit. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So God is promising us the tree of life. And in it is wisdom. In it is happiness. In it is righteousness. In it is the ability to win souls to the kingdom of God. In it, in it is hope. And in it is satisfaction. This is where the world is today. They run to be satisfied. You know, all manner of things they run to to be satisfied when all you have to do is go to Jesus. And he satisfies the longing of our heart and our soul. So this morning I say to the church, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Remember our failures and repent. Return to our first love. Redo the moment of our salvation when Christ lifted the burden of sin from our lives. Hate sin. Don't just not like it. Hate it. Love God's people. Love all people. All people matter to God. Overcome. What is it in our life we need to overcome? I mean, just think about that. What is it we need to overcome? Maybe it's too much coffee. (laughs) I'm tormenting Bill. Um, That's not the great thing to have to overcome, brother. But, you know, there are things in our life that is habitual, that is is not uh, uh, profitable for our spirit. You know, maybe maybe we just like to argue. You know, maybe we just like to disagree. You know, those are things that wound the spirit, not the cup of coffee. But God is looking at our spirit that we won't wound one another and that we'll hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to us. Remember in our failures that we we have a promise to eat of the tree of life. And that tree of life satisfies. That tree of life gives us right standing with God. That tree of life makes us happy. And if we have Christ, we should already be happy, shouldn't we? Can we be happy in this moment in time? Thank you, Jesus. Well, the time is at hand, church. It's time to take inventory of our spiritual life. For sincerely, it is spiritual things that matter. I mean, we need to post the sign that says spiritual things matter. 
That's the day in which we live. We see the weaknesses of the church. We see the weaknesses. We see what was. They were good. We see the weaknesses. And then we hear what he will do for them if they will repent and turn around. And I want to close with this passage of scripture. We read it in the bulletin this morning, but it really touched my heart. Because in Hosea 2.19, and you'd have to understand the life of Hosea to see the beauty in this passage of scripture. But I just take it personal for us today. You know, Hosanna had a wife that kept leaving him. And one day, and there was many children of different parents and all kinds of things that went on but Hosea never gave up on her and one day Hosea came into the middle of the city at the auction block where where they were auctioning off slaves and there was his wife and he redeemed her he bought her and this way God looks at us we can fall we can have mistakes we can have horrific things transpire in our life but he will redeem us if we call upon him. So he says, I will betroth thee unto me forever. That's who he cares about, the saints. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, in judgment, in loving kindness, and in mercy. All these things are a part of God betrothing us. He said, I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness. And thou shalt know the Lord. That's personal. We shall know him, have relationship with him. 21, and it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord. I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. So I want to close with Paul's admonishment in Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, church, this is something that we must see in all the strife that's in our city. All the things that's going on of evil. It says here that he wants us to pray, to persevere, to supplicate for all saints. Pray that the saints can hold the line and can wage the right warfare and that will bring salvation to our city may we pray oh god restore our passion restore our first love restore us to those moments when we felt you and we knew you and there was a powerful recognition of who you were in our lives oh god we love you today and that is my prayer for my people today lord that you would restore us to our first love father god that we will see that how much you love us and how much you have betrothed us unto you that father god that we can drop off some of these things and grow in the power of your grace and grow in your mercy and be a changed people by the power of your mercy and grace and return to our first love oh god May we sense the power of your love today as we go out of this house. May we sense the power of your presence of love that you have for us and how you forgive us and how you mercy us and you grace us. We give, we thank you for your love today, O oh God. 
We ask that you bless the offerings today. In Jesus' name. Yes, brother. 